This is the free download from the Lancy Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Lancy Eden Church building on the bank in Stockton in the town island of Sandwich. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at thelancyeden.co.uk. Today in John chapter 4, so if you have your Bible and you'd like to uh, turn to that, that'd be great. A well-known passage, I'm sure, something you've read a number of times, but a, a story that I absolutely love. Okay, John chapter 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Seca, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. A great story, a great passage that we have there. 
I don't know if has, have any of you been watching the series that's on at the moment called Africa by David Attenborough. Yes. Something about David Attenborough's voice that is just so wonderful and soothing. And I've been uh, watching Africa. Well, I've only caught a few, a couple of them. But um, it's, it's always amazes me to watch these documentaries. And I don't know if anyone watched this week's. But it started off with this little clip of some turtles. And these turtles were trying to get to the sea. So they um, had these turtles like hatching out of the sand. And then they had to sort of sprint for their lives as quick as they could to get down from where they hatched out to the sea, which wasn't a very long journey, but it was a dangerous one, okay? Because above in the sky, there was these birds, I think they said kites or um, crows or something, that would come down, swoop down, and pick up the turtles if they weren't quick enough and didn't make it to the sea. And that happened. You saw some of these birds swoop down and pick up the turtles. And um, there was this one little turtle that was a bit late than all the others. And so you saw her emerge from the sand. And, uh, and you saw a sort of sprint for it. And at one time, I actually vocally shouted out, come on, little turtle, come on. <laughs> I kind of got so engrossed in the program that I was watching. And I was a bit of an emotional wreck watching these turtles journey into the um, sea. And the little turtle that was late had to grapple with this crab, managed to get away from the crab, ended up in the sea. But then the sea was really rough and it was really hard for the little turtle to keep going. But anyway, she survived in the, in the end. And just after those five minutes, the opening five minutes of Africa, I felt fairly exhausted by the whole experience. I nearly had tears in my eyes. But um, you saw this little journey of the turtles, and it was a dangerous one. It was short, but it was a little bit dangerous, a little bit hairy. Another moment when I've been tense um, watching television is when I've watched the London Marathon. I don't know if any of you like watching the London Marathon. Um, I'm sure it's exhausting and tiring for those taking part, but um, it's, it's exhausting and tiring for those watching as well, too, <laughs> as you're sat there with a cup of tea, feet up. But I find it quite tiring to watch these people run the, uh, run the marathon. And the winner last year um, was Wilson Kipsang, I think, from Kenya. And he won the race in an impressive two hours, four minutes, 44 seconds. And I know that is impressive because I go to the gym and occasionally I go to the gym. And on the treadmill, I... Ha- it takes me about 15, 20 minutes just to run two kilometres. So I know two hours to run a marathon. It's very impressive. And um, that was great. But there was another story in the London Marathon that was actually just as impressive. And it, I don't know if you know this, but there was a woman there, Simone Clark, and um, she took three times longer than the winner. But she suffered from epilepsy. And uh, so she decided to run this marathon with her friend. And um, about seven, eight miles into the marathon, she started to have a fit. She would have seizures every day, about four times every day she'd have a seizure. So she knew to expect this. But about seven or eight miles into the, to the marathon, she did have a, um, a seizure. And, and for 30 seconds, she'd go unconscious, and her friend would bring her back again. And then she kept on running, and then it would happen again, and the friend would catch her, and 30 seconds she'd be out, and then she was back again. And she had 20 seizures in all through the London Marathon as she went. But she continued. She said this, by the time we got to 15 miles, she said, I was in tears because I was so annoyed we had lost the pace. But by that stage, I had already had lots of seizures, and I was still standing, so I thought, stuff it, I'm just going to finish it. And she crossed the line in six and a half hours. 
amazing to say that she had to grapple with all of that. I don't think I would ever cross the line at all. But when you look at people's lives, we all, we're all on some sort of journey, aren't we? We're all on a life journey. And then within our life's journey, we go on certain different paths that take us different routes, and different things happen to us. With the little turtles, the danger of going from the sand to the sea, with the London Marathon, this woman who was on this, or just for the day, on this journey of the marathon, and had to cope with everything that she had. And in John 14, verse 6, it says this, um, I am the way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus describes himself to us as a journey. And if we connect with Jesus, if we connect with him, life becomes known as a journey for us too. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are people of the way. We're on the way. We've not arrived yet, and we don't have all the answers. And if you ever meet someone that does think they have all the answers, you can politely tell them that they probably don't. But we are seekers, and we call people to join us on the way. We are people of the way. And we are people of the truth. You know, we don't believe that we're anything really but an incomplete, we're broken, scarred, I guess, uh, by impurity, expression of the true church. We now know in part and we prophesy in part. You know, there's always going to be enough imperfections in the church for us to walk away from. We are truthful about that. We know that. We know our weaknesses. But we believe in the experience of God. An experience which is honest. An experience which is real. And it involves the good and the bad. It involves the failures and the successes. We tell true stories. Stories that actually it's not always easy being a Christian. It is difficult. It has its ups and downs. And a story that doesn't always end in perfect victory, but tells of a journey sometimes of struggle. We are people of the way, but we are people of the truth. We say it as it is. We know where we're at. And we are people of life. You know, the church is not an identity. Uh, The church is an identity. It's not an activity. We are the church. We as a body are the church. Whether we come to church or not isn't really the most important thing as in coming to the building. We are the church, whatever. Whether we attend the building and the services or not, wherever we are, we are the church. We are God's body here on earth. Church attendance to the building just helps us with that Christ-like shape to our life. If I didn't come to this place, then all it means really is I'm a disembodied Christian. But we're still the church. And we share together in life. We share with one another our pain and our hurts and our difficulties and we do life together because we're the church and we gather. I heard this phrase, we gather to scatter. I quite like that phrase. That actually it's not about Sunday. What we're here for here is all about Monday to Saturday. Enabling us, empowering us, encouraging us for the journey. The way, the truth and the life. We're on this journey, this incredible journey, together. And there are ups and there are downs. There are good times and there are bad times. And each of our journeys that we're on, we all take different paths and different routes on that. And I think this story in John 4 
is an amazing story of two people who are on their own journeys and then they stop at this place at the well. And we have the woman and we have Jesus. And what can we learn from them? What can we learn from their journeys that's going to help us with the journey that we're on in our lives as we connect to Jesus? One of the first things I think is that this is a journey that at times will be tiring. You may well be thinking, yeah, tell me something I don't know already. But it says in verse 5 this, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sacre, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Jesus got tired physically, and he sat down by the well. And we can tire on the journey because of where the path takes us, where our path takes us. We can get tired. And we can find ourselves in all sorts of different places. Good places, bad places, but they still tire us out. I don't know whether you've ever been on a journey and ended up somewhere where you never expected to end up. Lost in a place that you weren't expecting. I know you know of my antics in the UK because I've spoken about them before. But I do have no sense of direction, really. And I did spend a lot of time living in England, lost, really, driving around, and not knowing where I was going most of the time. And there was one occasion where I I literally ended up somewhere. I don't even know where it was. I don't know. But I did come to a place. I came to a roundabout. It was the size of Guernsey, quite literally. And being a Guernsey girl at 18 and only really used to the town roundabout, it was quite frightening to head to this place, hurtling towards it at some speed. And it did have about 50,000 million lanes around it. Slight exaggeration there. Um, It did have all these different lanes and a mass of different traffic lights around this roundabout. That was huge. And I quite literally, I think, I don't remember much, I think I just closed my eyes and drove around it and put my foot on the pedal. I don't remember the green or red lights, I just screamed the whole way around. I ended up in a place that I really didn't expect to end up and I didn't know where I was. And I tell you what, in those three minutes that it took to speed around, it might have taken longer, to speed around the roundabout, um, I was exhausted mentally, not physically, mentally tired. And we can end up sometimes on our journey of life in places that we didn't expect to end up in and it can tire us out. And we, like Jesus, can get physically tired. Jesus had been moving around, preaching. He'd been moving around, baptizing, teaching, leading people. And he now is on the move from Judea to Galilee. And he stops off at Samaria for a rest. And perhaps we are experiencing that today. Perhaps like Jesus, some of us are tired. Physically tired. Tired of being busy with our ministry. Ministry being our work, our family, our home, our friends, what we do. And it's okay to admit that we're tired. Jesus got tired. And so will we. I'll let you into a little insight of my life. Um, I love my job and I love what I do. And I love my life, actually. I, I, you know, I, I feel really blessed to be doing all that I'm doing. But I must admit I look forward to the weekend and maybe some of you do as well. I look forward to Friday nights. I look forward to being able to think I've got nothing the next morning that I have to get up for. I don't have to set the alarm for half five. I can sleep in, and it's okay. And I enjoy Friday nights. 
And I always anticipate it and think, oh, yeah, I'll cook a nice meal and I'll sit down, watch a movie, watch Friday night television and have it all lined up. QI's on at 10 or something like that, so I like to watch that. And, and then if you're anything like me, by the time about 8 o'clock comes, I'm fast asleep on the sofa and, and I wake up and it's about 11 and, you know, crick in the neck and you're all, like, disheveled and you've got to put yourself to bed. And it's like, oh, such a disappointment on a Friday night when I have so much anticipation for my Friday night staying in and watching TV. And then it just goes by so quick because I'm so exhausted, so tired from the week that as soon as you get an opportunity to sit down, that's it. You're asleep. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes too. But we do get tired for all sorts of reasons. We can be physically tired. Maybe we can be spiritually tired. Maybe we're tired of doing good, tired of having to be righteous, tired of doing the right thing and making the right choices all the time. You know, this place, Secah, is probably, when we look in the Old Testament, is Shechem. It's the same place, they think. And that place was where you worship had to be decided. On several occasions we see this. Just have a look with me. It says, in the same place, this place where the well was, um, Joshua, before he died, had to assemble people together to renew the covenant. That's found in Joshua. And then in the same place, after Gideon, the people then decide um, to start worshipping Baal and they become idolatrous. That's found in Judges. And then in that same place um, that was destroyed by Abimelech, it then had to be rebuilt by Jeroboam. It's a place where worship has had to be decided. Who are we going to worship? And sometimes we can tire of just simply battling on the journey with deciding to put Jesus Christ first all the time and decide for ourselves that he is the one we're going to worship. He is the one that's going to be our priority. It's not always easy to do that. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes there's a pressure on us that we shouldn't get tired of being good and being a Christian. But sometimes I find it tiring to do the right thing. You know, sometimes you just want to shout abuse at your neighbour or your work colleague or your family member. Sometimes it's tiring to turn the other cheek, to be gracious, to pray for your enemies. We can get spiritually tired as well. And this same place here was where Jacob had bought this place for 100 pieces of silver. And we can tire simply because of the cost, the price we have to pay, the things we have to put aside, the things we have to sacrifice and surrender on the journey is a great cost at times. And we can be tired for that reason. But Jesus was not the only one who had stopped at the well. The woman had come to this place as well. She had stopped on her journey of life. She frequented it often. She came to this place. And she was caused to stop. Now, we don't know much about this woman, but what we do know is that she had five husbands and she was now with a man who was not her husband. And we don't know the circumstance of the story, whether she was to blame for this or not, but whatever the circumstances of her life, she was probably a bit of an outcast. That she would have had shame and people probably would discard her in some way because of what she had been through. And that's why she's at the well at noon. Not the normal time of day to come to the well, but she's there at that time, probably because she doesn't want to meet people. Probably because her circumstance in life is difficult 
and she feels perhaps shameful or embarrassed by it. She doesn't want to meet other people where she goes. And perhaps today you find yourself on your journey, tired, because like this woman, you are tired of carrying stuff, carrying guilt, carrying pain, perhaps carrying shame that you feel you have to cover up or that people know about and you have to face up to. It can be difficult. And we get tired out on the journey for all sorts of different reasons. There are things in our life that we carry around with us and even though people might not know about it, it makes us feel guilty and it makes us feel tired out because we have that there in our lives. But you know what? There is one who can help. There is one that can remove that from us. There is one who can refresh us, restore us, revive us out of our tiredness for whatever reason it might be. And we, like this woman, just need to stop, to sit, to listen, and to receive. For the second point here is this. This is a journey that at times needs perspective. Tiredness is not a sin. Actually, tiredness is normal, isn't it? And tiredness is what brought these two people to this to this place together. Jesus is tired, so he stops. The woman listens to Jesus. She accepts his offer of the water of life, probably because she recognised in her own life that that's what she needed because she was tired of carrying this pain, carrying this shame around with her. And when we stop, at times in our journey, we can get a little perspective on things. We sometimes need that. I do know how it feels. Sometimes I just hate it. Don't you just hate it sometimes when you're raging over something? Something's really annoyed you and you're really battling with it and you're raging with it. Not, of course, that we, you know, rage too much as good Christians or anything. But, you know, and then someone pipes up to you, oh, just stand back, you know, let's get a little perspective on the situation. And all you want to say is, no, actually, I don't want to get perspective. I want to rage at this person. I want my viewpoint to be, um, you know, heard. I think I have every right to make a judgment call here. And someone says, no, just get a bit of perspective. And sometimes that's actually quite good advice. Because Jesus was tired, so he stopped. It was a good choice. He didn't try to keep going. He didn't try and keep, you know, on to Galilee. He stopped. He had good perspective. Perspective is about your view on things, on how you see things. And in Jesus' view, in Jesus' mind, it was good for him to make that choice to stop and to sit a while. And thank goodness he did. Because at that time, while he stopped and he sat, he encountered the woman. And there was this chance opportunity where not only did she then receive Christ, but she went back, told everyone about it, and they all came and heard the message as well. It says this later on in the passage, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. What an opportunity. Jesus gets the right perspective, stops for a moment, rests, and all this unfolds. I'm tired, so I'll stop. How many of us, when we get tired, 
instead of stopping, we just plow on. We just keep going. We plow on in the busyness. We plow on doing. We plow on covering up the guilt and the shame, burying it away, burying it away, keep going, keep going, hide it, but we're carrying it still and we're tired out. But the woman here, she stopped too. She could have ignored Jesus. She could have continued on, got the water and gone, but she chose not to. And she stopped and she talked and she listened. And in doing so, she received the most important thing ever. She received Jesus by purely stopping to listen. Are we looking at our lives objectively? When was the last time you sat down? I don't mean to sit down to do anything, not to sit down to watch TV, to read a book, to listen to music, just to sit, to sit and do nothing. I can't do that. I've got to keep doing things. I feel guilty. Moses sat down because he was tired from running away. He'd killed the Egyptian and he had to run. And he gets to the desert and finally he sits down. When was the last time you just sat down? Because where we sit is really important. Psalm 1 encourages us not to sit with those who mock or who are negative. Don't sit in the critical seat. Choose to find a place to sit that will refresh us, renew us, influence us for the better and not drain us. Jesus is the living water. He's the one who sustains. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who refreshes and revives and strengthens us. And sometimes we need to learn to sit. Just sit with Jesus. Sit by faith is the best place. When was the last time we sat down? Because if we don't sit down, we might not be ready for the next opportunity that is facing us. You know Moses found a wife simply by sitting down? Maybe I should try just sitting down. Stop racing around. Stop doing stuff. Trying to make things happen. Learn that it's okay to sit for a while then all kinds of surprising things can happen. Do we have a correct judgment of where we are on our journey, on the position of our journey? The year, AD 62, is the year that Paul was put in prison under Roman guards. He was under house arrest. And he stayed there for two years. And then he was martyred. And he's in this situation. He's contained. He's limited. He was an apostle. He was sent out. He was supposed to be sent out. He's not used to this, being confined. And maybe we know this kind of place in our lives sometimes when we're in a place of restriction. He was in prison, and yet he had the correct judgment. He knew where he was on his journey. He was not just sitting in that prison. He did not let that define him. He was able to reach out in that place. Praise be to God to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He knew what it was not to let the circumstance define him and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus he might have been sitting in prison but he knew where he was seated with Christ I'm in prison but that's not where I'm living my life out you know the sitting place means that we're not moving forward if we're sitting we're just staying still aren't we we're not moving forward and we're so used as Christians to hearing messages about vision, about um, breakthrough, about advancement, about growth, about going forward, which is great, which is good, which is needed. But here's a message. Sit down. 
sit down and let Jesus minister to your tiredness, whatever that might be, for whatever reason that might be. Not do more, not go to more meetings, not feel like you have to do more and more and more, but just sit to stop trying to make things happen, to stop getting tired from our own efforts, to learn how to relax in God, to learn how to give our burdens and problems to him, to let God work in us for us rather than us just work for him because we're seated with Christ. And Jesus and the woman, they stopped and they sat and there was a life-changing moment for, for them and a great opportunity was had. We get tired on this journey. What are we going to do about it? Let's sit. Get a bit of perspective. Know that we're seated with Christ. Finally, this journey may look to others like it's not normal. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The journey we're on might not look normal to other people. The norm says that you don't speak to your enemy. Yeah? The Samaritans hated the Jews and vice versa. Both viewed themselves as the true Israel, the heirs of the promise of God, the historical thing. They were enemies. The norm tells us we don't speak to the enemy. The norm says you don't speak to a woman back then. Okay, the disciples come, they're surprised to find Jesus speaking to a woman. Actually, they're astonished to find Jesus speaking to a woman. They're amazed. Not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. They're the enemy. One of the Jewish rabbis wrote this, one should not talk with a woman on the street, not even his own wife, and certainly not with somebody else's wife because of the gossip of men. This is an amazing thing. Jesus speaks to a woman, it's his enemy, and the norm says that you don't socialise with a sinner. This woman has had a series of divorces. She now lives with a man who she not, she's not married to. And in the eyes of other women, she probably was little more than a prostitute to other people. And so Jesus is speaking to this woman who's a sinner, who's the enemy. Wow. It's amazing. The journey we're on won't at times always look normal to other people. To talk to the person at work that everyone finds annoying is not always normal. To forgive the person who's offended us is not always normal. To not rise to judgment is not always normal. But it's part of the journey we're on. You see, it's part of the journey of the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus' way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are on that journey. We are part of that journey. And it might not always look normal, but that's what we're called to because we're following in Jesus' footsteps. You know, on the uh, evaluation sheet of my ex- for my students in their, after their exam, they fill in an evaluation sheet for me. And they basically write down their exam experience, what it was like, how they felt about it, how well they think they did. And at the end, I have a little statement, and it says, have a word with yourself. What I mean by that is, you know, look at yourself and have a word with yourself about, you know, What could you have done better? What could you have changed? If you have to take this exam again, what good piece of advice do you want to hear? And so they usually write things down like, I should have done more revision, or I should have practiced more essays, or something like that. And they have to write something. And sometimes I think 
But in my life, I, I have to look at myself and ask that question and say that statement. Have a word with yourself, Nicole. What exactly gives you the right to judge other people? You know, I, it's so easy, isn't it? And I find myself trying to get specks out of other people's eyes when there's massive planks in mine. You know, Jesus was the only one qualified to make any judgment call on anyone because he was perfect. We have no qualification at all to make a judgment call on anyone. And yet, I've got to admit, I find myself doing it. Oh, look what she did. Or, you know, I can't believe that person. can't believe that. So easy to do. But Jesus shows us a different way, a journey that actually might not look normal to other people. The question is, who are we accepting in our journeys? Who are we reaching out to in love? Who are we showing grace to and hope to and mercy to? Because it's easy to judge. I know that. It's not always so easy to accept the enemy, the sinner, whoever it is. And I know that that is tiring. I've just spoken about that. (laughs) I've just said about the fact that we can get tired of doing good. I recognise that. We get tired, don't we? And that's why I'm saying, let's have a look and see what happened here. Let's see what the woman did. She sat and she spent time with Jesus. And it's in the sitting that will empower us and strengthen us to enable us to reach out to others on the journey, to be loving, to be gracious, because it gets tiring at times, it gets difficult at times, but that's why sitting is so good. It doesn't look normal always, reaching out in love, accepting and forgiving, but it doesn't look normal for us either from our perspective on the journey. Look at this from the woman's view. Suddenly she's accepted. Suddenly she's talked to. Suddenly she's forgiven. So the journey we're on is not normal for us either. And that's the amazing thing because we get to be accepted. We get to be cleansed. We get to be forgiven and loved and clothed with righteousness. We get to be free on this journey because of Christ. And this is far from normal. You know, usually when we do wrong in this life, we pay for it. Usually when we mess up, there's a consequence. Usually when we do something, people can get mad at us and even to the point of rejecting us. That's kind of often the norm when we stuff up. But here, on our journey with Jesus, the amazing thing is, is as we journey, when we do stuff up, we do mess up, whatever, we're accepted, we're loved, we're forgiven, we're free, we're made whole again. Because when we journey with Christ, it's a different story. It's a different story. At the beginning of the film, The Hobbit, if any of you have seen it. Bilbo Baggins is in the comfortable, predictable life in his little home in the Shire. And then this mysterious Gandalf drops in uh, for a surprise visit. And Bilbo's life never is going to be the same again. And after a brief conversation between the two, Gandalf turns to Bilbo and says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I I am arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. But Bilbo eventually follows Gandalf on this journey an exciting journey you know God is still calling me and he's still calling you for the journey will you come it's not easy it's not always easy but it is the only way the truth and the life there will be times when we get tired whether it's physical whether it's just spiritually tired it could be for all sorts of reasons tired of hiding our sin tired of covering up, tired of carrying guilt and carrying shame, 
There are times when we're going to be tired. How do we deal with that? What are we going to do? Stop. Let's stop and sit. Let's spend some time with Jesus. We're seated with Christ. It's not always about the doing, more and more and more. We can feel so guilty as Christians sometimes about not doing enough. Sometimes it's okay to sit down and listen and get perspective and get strengthened and get enabled again by Christ. No, the journey doesn't always look normal. We're accepted, we're loved, we're forgiven. We're given everything we could possibly want from Christ, which then has the requirement on us to do the same for others. Just in the same way that Jesus extended his love and his acceptance to this woman, we too are called to do the same. We're on a journey. It's an exciting journey. I'm going to close in prayer because I've run over time a little bit. Father God, I I just thank you for your, your word to us. I thank you for this wonderful, beautiful story found in John and what it teaches us and what it shows us. And it shows us of who you are, how wonderfully accepting you are and how much you forgive us and you change us and you transform us. And we don't have to hide, we don't have to cover the shame because, Lord, you're the one that matters. It's your judgment that matters and you... You forgive us and you show us grace and mercy. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that we would be people who know what it is to come and sit with you in your presence. Not to feel bad about that. Not to feel guilty because we're not doing more. But actually to learn what it is just to sit and let you minister into our lives. And be changed and transformed. To enable us to go and be the people you've required us to be. To enable us to extend love to extend forgiveness and mercy to others and show them who you really are. Lord, I thank you for this story. I pray this week we may go and just try and find some time to spend, to sit with you, to know you and to understand how much you love us and what you're for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this free download from Latchley Healing Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website, thelatchleyhealing.co.uk.